0: Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern-day filmmaking. And others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond. And have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it. But you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast.
1: Phase 1 has ended and we've all seen the Avengers save the day, I guess, for the first time of many times to come. And now we are into the bonus episode area. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing good, Mike. So today we're gonna do. Uh, gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. About I how gotta Mike's keep moving doing.
0: on. I gotta keep moving on. We're making uh, these short for you guys to take them in bite
1: sized chunks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we are definitely this is definitely gonna be under thirty minutes. I promise. If I have to cut half half of it out, we're today gonna talk about the history of Marvel Comics. Much of these bonus episodes will be Pat heavy, but I will be there just to kind of figure out along the way. I don't know a lot about the comic world. Pat does, as you have known. I've probably the last six episodes you've heard him say the names he's going to say and say the events that is he's going to talk about, correct? Because you I mean a lot of times when I was a lot of the stuff yeah. we've
0: we've talked about, but we've broken it into a more concise timeline in one single episode for you.
1: All right. So start us off, Pat. Where do we want to begin? The be- at the beginning at, so. the beginning. at the
0: beginning. Well to, to understand the beginning you have to understand the beginning before Marvel Marvel Comics became a thing. All right, I'm interested. Go. In 1938, two gentlemen sold a character to national publications. That character was Superman. You're going to say to yourself, Superman isn't a Marvel Comics
1: character? No, he's not. I know that's DC. That is
0: DC. First, it was national before it became DC. And with the launch of Superman in Action Comics, number one, the superhero era, the golden age of comics took off. And everybody who was anybody, any type of publisher wanted to have a
1: superhero to their name so before this comics are just comic comic strips right? comic strips yeah.
0: pulp heroes the shadow the you know oh, like radio plays radio plays like dick okay. tracy yep. things like that yep so in 1938 you had superman 1939 you had batman after that you had wonder woman uh captain marvel not the marvel comic version but the shazam version so you uh, zachary levi played him in the movie and then eventually you had captain america so before we get to Captain America, where he came from, right. we, we're going to go do the business side of things. Go for it. A year after Superman was published in Action Comics, a publisher named Martin Goodman, who published Atlas News, decided to launch Timely Comics. And that was the predecessor to Marvel Comics. The first book published by Timely was Marvel Comics. That was the name of the book. Just like DC, National at the time, published Detective Comics. You know, DC. Right. So right. there was all these anthology books. No superhero really had their own headlining book right away. Um, it's the first
1: time I ever heard that that's what DC means. Can you believe that? Yeah. Never...
0: Awesome. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so in this Marvel Comics book, you had the first Human Torch. Not the Fantastic Four one but an Android that could light himself on. Oh, fire. see, because I
1: ha- I wrote that down and, yeah. I, and I was wondering if that was that. So This is an and, and then the Submariner, right?
0: Mer- uh, uh, Namor, the Submariner.
1: OK, I'm sorry, I, po- and I apologize. I'm just I'm-, I'm apologizing to the comic aficionados. After. I don't think they're listening. To this. this is for the people who don't understand the comics <laughs> uh, and want a little right. bit more information. Go. All right, then. my bad.
0: Um, but if you do know the comics, please drop us a line in the comments. See if we missed anything. <laughs> yeah. So Human Torch, which. In Captain America, the First Avenger, you'll see an Easter egg for this human torch during the uh, the Stark Expo, the World Expo.:
1: Oh, I didn't notice
0: that if uh, when Bucky and Steve are are wandering around with the girls. Okay, all right. Um, so after Timely Comics launched Marvel Comics and Martin Goodman was was doing the things that the comics publishers do, he brought in gentlemen named Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby you'll recognize from working with Stan Lee later in the 60s Joe Simon along with Jack they created Captain America in
1: 1941 now I know that see now I, I know that we talked about this before in one of the other episodes in terms of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and I know we'll mm-hmm. talk about Stan Lee in his bonus episode but I always, always had the impression that they came out at the same time I didn't realize that Kirby was first Kirby
0: was first Stan joined shortly afterwards so okay. the funny thing and nepotism is never dead <laughs> stan is martin goodman's nephew uh, of course. or cousin something he, some was, relation uh... to them I, I always thought it was nephew i saw one report a cousin but regardless they are related to each other goodman brought him on as a as the editor he was named the editor of timely comics when he was 19
1: Shit, that's nice yeah
0: <laughs> so, good gig at the time though he was going by the name he was stanley lieber but he was, and we'll learn more about him in, we'll do a Stan Lee episode that'll come out after this one, but he was going by the name Stan Lee because he didn't want to ruin his shot at making the great American novel. Okay. Because comic books were kid stuff. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to, you didn't want to be, you know, connected to them. During this time that Captain America was coming out, it was World War Two. It was pre-Pro Harbor. It was pre-America getting involved, but there was still that that faction of people who wanted America to be involved. And of course you make a superhero named Captain America. He's going to go overseas and punch Hitler.
1: Well, wasn't a lot of the comic characters before uh, pre-World War II, were they always just fighting Nazis, right? A lot of them were fighting Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, Or
0: they were fighting. So the the thing about comics, not just Marvel comics, but um, comics in general, a lot of the creators at the time were young Jewish immigrants. And so they were telling these, these stories that they wanted to see happen, and, and they were adding these real life a- analogies to them. So, like with Superman, he was just dealing with slumlords, mm-hmm. slumlords taking advantage of poor immigrants. And that was his first, you know, the first couple books. Okay. It wasn't until the radio play that Superman developed a lot of the Kryptonian powers and a lot of the, the Krypton weakness and Lex Luthor and all that stuff. But it was just these, you know, and, and so in 1941. Couple of Jewish guys imagined a superhero named Captain America punching Hitler and beating up Nazis. I, I got gotcha. you. know That's what they wanted to see, and that's, that's what they made happen. So, interesting about that Captain America issue number one, sold over a million copies. You want to take a guess how many copies the top comic sells nowadays?
1: 75,000. That's, that's
0: terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's more competition. There's a there different medium. So it's you know, that's something that there's nothing out there like that back then. And, you know, I get that. I understand yeah. that. So but
0: now, and they were cheaper. They
1: were much cheaper. Oh, yeah. 10 no. cents.
0: I mean, obviously, it was relative to the, to the amount. I want. I list.
1: I list. I read something, or I listened to a podcast where they were talking about the. I think I told you about this, but the the wars between Marvel and DC. The and business the business wars episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, Another they,
0: great they, podcast to check out if you want business worlds Marvel
1: versus DC. I take a lot of uh, uh, information off of that for us actually, for yeah. a lot of stuff that we do. But they talked about how they were the wage increases and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah.
0: Again, we'll talk about Stanley. He went off to war, so he stepped down from his position as editor. And as the war kept going on, sales were increasing. People were more hyped about seeing their superheroes beat up Nazis while we were winning the war. But as the war died down and and it ended, that need for escapism and patriotism kind of died as well. Mm -hmm. So late 50s, a lot of Marvel's main series, so Namor, Human Torch, Captain America,
1: they all ended or just kind of tapered off. I had... In 1950, that timely was canceled. They canceled all the comic books yeah. for the here. So that's that happened. Yeah, that, that okay. happened.
0: Um, because what happened, what was starting to happen, was one, the readership was was dying down. Right. Two, in the mid 50s, you had a scientist named Dr. Frederick Wortham, and he posited this theory that comic books were causing increased rates of ju- juvenile delinquency. Okay. <laughs> uh, his his big one was you know, they they perpetuated the idea of homosexuality. You had Robin and Batman. It's
1: always the go-to. It's
0: It's always the go-to. You had Robin (laughs) and Batman living together with an old man, Alfred. And so through that, the Comics Code Authority was was put in place.
1: Oh, I Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So
0: that was, and and so there was a lot of like, trying to just play catch up with what readers were looking for. So you had zombies and horror stories start coming in. and, And what remained of Timely was, and later rebranded as Atlas. Yep. It just simply, you know, an arm of Goodman's Publishing Company would just kind of chase, chase stuff. So they they chase romance comics. They'd chase horror comics. they chase cowboy comics. They, You know, it wasn't any real structure to it. Okay. So then we get to the Marvel we know and love and what really launched it. And that was 1961. You know, we have probably all heard the story. DC had launched Justice League. It was all of their top heroes, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash, Martian Manhunter, everybody coming together in one book. And so Martin Goodman standing there like, wait a minute, I want I want a book like that. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can do. So he went to his editor, Stanley, and said, can, can you do this? And, you know, there, there are stories that Stan was ready to quit. His wife told him who they'd been married for forever. I mean, since 1940 seven right. up until they they passed away in, in the late 20 teens she said to him just tell the story you want to tell and if it doesn't work out quick mm-hmm. and that's when the fantastic four was born and the difference between the marvel comics and the dc dc was more about these gods these you know it was all about what they were doing in the the, the costumes the superhero piece of their life marvel and stan lee told the story of yes what they're doing is superheroes but what they're doing in their everyday life, mm-hmm. the the fight you have with your family members. So this is really the beginning of the Silver Age of comics. Ooh! So we've gone from the Golden Age. We went from the Silver Golden Age to Silver Age. On DC side, it was more a rebirth of superheroism, sci-fiism. On marvel's side, it was Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, John Romita Sr., Don Heck, Larry Lieber, all these guys that we had talked about as the the people who created everybody and anybody that's in the Avengers from Captain America to Iron Man, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, everybody. These were the people who were doing it. Um and this is in the sixties. This is in the sixties. Okay. Yeah. And that was, so Marvel hit this, this new audience. They weren't just telling children's tales. They were hitting counterculture. They were hitting college students and people who were a little bit more engaged in the more, Real world stories that they were adding.
1: Well, I would imagine that's that's natural because you're obviously in the 60s right. and that's turbulent time, as some people would know. Oh, many people know that, and uh, you know you no longer have that kind of blinding patriotism yep. from the early 40s, uh, leading up to World War II. You have this time of 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 uh, there's a lot of distrust yeah. and there's a lot of just other factors that are bleeding into everyday life. So no,
0: that makes sense. Yeah, and you also had the sh- a shared universe. So Spider-Man could cross over with the Fantastic Four because he was written by the same guys and drawn by by the same guys. So he was he could easily just and what they were doing one month would carry over into the next month because they were the same guys in the same bullpen, mm-hmm. and they would you know share stories and say, "Hey, we're doing this, you know, let's let's reference it." So that, so Marvel's cinematic universe was born out of their original mm-hmm. comics universe, right? Whereas DC had a multiverse, and you you'll see that in the various shows and movies they have out now but each earth and each hero kind of existed by themselves if they crossed over in a different comic they wouldn't reference it in oh, another one very often really? sometimes they might so yeah
1: dc dealt with a lot of alternate universes yes why oh who cares we're yeah, yeah about marvel. we're talking about marvel so
0: <laughs> in the late 70s or early 70s i'm sorry marvel overtook dc in sales and that was a big deal because dc was the big one they had been around since the beginning and they had been telling all these stories, and then Marvel finally did it, and they haven't looked back since. And that's when we get into Marvel modern Marvel Entertainment. You're talking about in the eighties in the eighties yes So Marvel Entertainment Group, so the parent company of the publishing arm of it, sold to New World Entertainment, and then they took the company public, you know as, as we've seen, whether it's Uber, Facebook, take your company public, you raise funds for them, but you're also you know a little bit more controlled by what happens in, in consumer interest and you have to report to your shareholders. And this is when things started to turn sour not just for Marvel but for the comics industry in general. Mm-hmm. You had um this is the the beginning of what they call the speculator boom. So people realized that they could sell a copy of action comics number 1 where superman first appeared for millions of dollars. There wasn't at the time nobody kept the books, they just recycled them and threw them out and so when somebody sold it it became this idea that you can go and buy a ton of comic books like first appearance of this character number one issue of that character or that book and so marvel got in on this and so what they did was they relaunched books they put foil covers on them they made these covers and these books and everything appealing to collectors the problem is they overpublished, so Mm -hmm. they put too much out there so when there's too much of one thing it's
1: Worthless. When did they do this? What year?
0: Early nineties. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that was that was one thing that went wrong for them. Second thing is the parent company, New World Entertainment and Marvel Group. They were issuing bad debt to make additional acquisitions. And then the third thing is a handful of creators, seven creators, including Jim Lee, who was the artist of the X Men at the time, fled the company to start their own independent publishing. Todd house. McFarlane too, right? And Todd McFarlane, yeah. Yep. yeah uh eric larson and a handful of others and so they went and started image right and so you lost all of your big talent your company is issuing debt and you're over publishing books that aren't going to have no value and that and
1: primarily because what i read about there was that they left because you didn't own your characters when you created them right marvel owned them yes that's still the case now
0: uh, for the most
1: part, yeah. Okay, yeah. Industry standard
0: yeah. yeah. industry standard, yeah. It is the industry okay. standard, and we'll get to that with the Stanley issue episode and the Marvel Studios sure. issue. Sure, uh, sorry, I keep saying issue, but episode. <laughs> we'll get to both of those topics about ownership of characters in the Stanley episode and the Marvel Studios bonus episode. Sure. um So, following all of this speculator, and it's still a thing today. It's a little bit more controlled, and and you know people have know how it could go wrong Mm -hmm. obviously because it did but in 1997 when the boom finally went bust and a lot of those acquisition companies that they had brought on didn't work out marble entertainment group and new world filed bankruptcy Mm -hmm. and so that's when toy biz the action figure company came in and bought the remainder of marble and the reason for that is well we make the toys. You sell the books. We can pair them up and we could sell more toys because toys were more lucrative. <laughs>
1: we can make more money. Yes, we can.
0: And so, you know, Marvel continued on as a result of the bankruptcy. They also had to sell off a lot of their characters and license them to movie studios. So X-Men to Fox, Hulk to Universal, Spider-Man to Sony, and so on. And so, you know, that continued until Marvel became successful with Marvel Studios in 2008 and beyond. And Disney finally acquiring them,
1: but that's that's Marvel Studios. That's, that's Marvel Studios. Marvel that's going to be the yeah. next bonus yeah. episode
0: we get to. Right. This was a very high level, very quick overview of Marvel Comics. Sure. As they lead into Marvel Studios and where they're at in the modern day.
1: Well, let me uh, let me because I've got a couple of things in here about yeah. some people that popped in and out. I want you because I've never heard some of these or some of these things. But like in 1975. Uh, that one of the the uncanny X Men. Yeah, what is that? Is that like a big thing? In- that was a big thing. Yeah. Okay. So that
0: was like a relaunch of the X Men okay. comic characters,
1: because they have like because I have that. Then you had in the nineties and the early two thousands you had, um, you had Brian Michael Bendis come on for Daredevil and Avengers, yep. right? And then yep. you had Jonathan Hickman for Fantastic Four. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. So both, um, I mean, top of the
0: top of the class writers, very involved in the formation of the characters that they they took on. Bendis was on the Avengers forever. A lot of what he he wrote um, went and influenced the movies. Uh, same thing with with Jonathan Hickman. He wrote Secret Warriors. He wrote Fantastic Four. He did these, these
1: big seminal runs
0: on those characters mm-hmm. as they led into the new millennium and, and
1: beyond. Also in the 80s, I always know Frank Miller from
0: Batman. Yes. But now uh, he did Daredevil. He did Daredevil. And Daredevil was a big deal at the time. That was really when the 80s and I kind of skipped over a lot of the 80s no, in that's this fine. overview but the 80s is when things got gritty.
1: That started, started getting dark. It started yeah, getting yeah.
0: dark. You started telling not so kid stories anymore. So
1: is that Daredevil on Netflix more of a Frank Miller Daredevil? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I I like the overview. I just wanted to try to kind of pop yeah. in maybe like cuz we talk about people all the time on the podcast. Yeah. And um, you know, just kind of when they entered into the Marvel comic world. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Matt Fraction for Hawkeye, Thor, Hawkeye and, Thor. and Thor. Yeah. So he, but he did Iron he's Man new. too. He's now. He's newer. Yeah. yeah. So
0: he, he kind of, he hit Hawkeye in 2012, I believe it was, Iron Man before that, mm-hmm. and uh, Thor just, just after that, or right in between. So he's, he's newer. He's done a lot of, and wh- you asked the question about the ownership of the characters. Yeah. A lot of these guys, you know, they used to have exclusive contracts to one publishing house or another. There's still a few that do uh Scott Snyder for one at DC has a I believe he still has well, they must an pay
1: exclusive him a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so he writes Batman and he's been writing Batman for years and it's a big Batman story that he's been putting Is together. This
1: the Batman that we're seeing now. The no, it's okay. not the Batman.
0: But a lot of these, these creators, they'll do, you know, if they're not signed exclusively to Marvel or DC, they'll do a book for Marvel. And then they'll go and do a book for probably Image or another creator owned independent studio. Okay. There used to be this whole Hollywood studio like architect system where it was built like that, the, you know, one studio owned you and you can only yeah. do their movies. Writers
1: and directors had offices next to each other in giant, like almost like dorm rooms. Exactly. Then, yeah, yeah. So the, you know, and the, um, that seems fun to me, but like you don't own anything. So that sucks. But it's it the like problem. such a, like such an awesome thing to be able yeah. to do. You don't own anything. You don't own anything. And, and so that
0: became an issue, and we'll get into it in the Marvel Studios one. Don't want to run too much over time here, but, you know, they want to, these creators that are doing both now, they want to own some of their stuff because they realize, you know, when they want to tell their own stories outside of, you know, the parent company instructing what they need to do and where they need to hit, but they realize how lucrative comic books and the IP can be to movie studios. Well, that's and the And they want to piece now. it up. Yeah. yeah.
1: IP is a big thing now um all right sweet i mean i know we kind of brushed it over i told you we're going to keep this short um if you have any questions i guess hit us up um i mean we can always come yeah. back and revisit and do maybe a little bit more of a in-depth uh, yeah, yeah a certain por- portion of it maybe like marvel in the 80s or marvel in the seventies. that might be good i just thought of that but nice. that's a good idea uh, let's add that to the list all right but uh but we, we want to just kind of get for people that didn't know just kind of give you a brief 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 overview um join us next week we're going to be talking about the history of marvel studios which yes. is probably going to blend in a little bit here but absolutely we touched on it a little bit and just kind of like where they started and where they went to um and then after that we'll be returning with a phase two uh shows where we start off with our first movie in phase two which is iron man three there you go all right so we'll see you next week for our second bonus episode thank you for listening um do you have anything to say Pat?
0: uh just because we always end it yeah with some recommended reading. Oh, we're, and doing I'll add, rec- we're doing a recommended reading? I'll add some recommended reading and listening. We already talked about the Business Wars, Marvel versus DC. Go for it. Check that one out. If you really want to get in-depth with this, go to Marvel Comics' The Untold Story. Great book about the history of comics, especially as it blew up in the um, in the 60s. And then, of course, The, uh, the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Oh, I read that book. Michael Chabon. <laughs> great book about the publishing, the beginning of the comic book boom. I own that book.
1: I do too. Oh, nice. I like, uh, owning, I like owning books. Yeah. Okay. I'm, owning reading, books is I'm, great. I'm currently reading on the road right now again. I don't know why I'm getting into Jack Kerouac, but I'm... Jeez. Mm, I
0: know, right? And that's, that's when we sign off with this episode. All right, so I'll Thanks be hopping a boxcar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Yeah, we'll yeah. See you next week. Absolutely. See you later.